0: You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, May 25th. It's a rough week, as I'm sure you all know, so I'm going to keep this pretty short. I will remind you that UC San Diego is proudly hosting UC Tech in August, so be sure to check out the website, uctech.ucsd.edu, for the latest information. It is a shameless plug, I know, but to be fair, it's what I do at least when I'm wearing my podcast hat. Tomorrow, May 26th, the Office of Operational Strategic Initiatives and the Division of Extended Studies will be hosting an exciting Lean Six Sigma webinar. Tune in to find out about the courses and scholarships that can support you on your LSS journey. The Zoom link is on the calendar section of The Current. Just head over to thecurrent.ucsd.edu. And here's something new. You know how sometimes you wish you knew what was going on without much effort. Well, The Current has a way to help you stay informed. Now you can have the latest news posts show up on a Confluence page that you yourself manage. It's the equivalent of placing a part of your department intranet right on your own team or personal page. To find out more about how to do it, head over to the news blog on The Current and we can walk you through. But now, let's get to the show. Let's meet Natalie Golmier. Mark, you're up.
1: This is Mark Herzberger, Communications Manager. Today, I'm joined by Natalie Golmier, our Director of Data and Integration Services. Natalie, welcome to the pod, how are you?
2: I'm good, thank you, Mark, how
1: are you? Pretty good, thank you. What is your job here in IT services and how long have you been doing it?
2: All right, so uh, here in IT services, I currently lead the Data and Integration Services team. So if you look at the org chart, My team is part of the enterprise architecture and infrastructure team under Brian DeMille. I have been in this position for about three years now.
1: What other jobs have you had at UC San Diego and even before joining the university?
2: So I'm originally from Lebanon, uh, Mm -hmm. from a little country in the Middle East by the Mediterranean Sea. Called Lebanon. And so I was born and raised there, and I went to college there for a computer science degree. And then I started working there uh, for my alma mater at the University of St. Joseph in the central IT department, just like I do here. So I worked there for a handful of years and I did a bunch of things in IT, ranging from a network, setting up the network, configuring the routers and switches, and then doing some application development, some cybersecurity, database administration as well. So quite a bunch of things back then. And then I started at UC San Diego in ACT back in the day, in 2006. Mm-hmm. So my first position with UCG uh, San Diego was a network management systems engineer. So I was part of the Datacom team uh, with James Seddon, and I helped set up and maintain the monitoring applications for the network infrastructure. And then after that, I did hold a bunch of other different positions in ACT. I transitioned into a senior Linux sysadmin position, part of the Unix team part back in the day. And then I moved into a database administrator position before my current role.
1: I see. All right, let me give you two quick follow-ups. Moving from Lebanon all the way to you know California, how did that happen or what was that?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Actually, so I got married. So that's the short answer for okay. it. My husband was my next door neighbor back in Lebanon. So he's originally Lebanese, but he was living here in San Diego. And then we happened to meet on the stairs and we we hit it off. And then boom, a year later, we were married and I had to move over here to live with him. So that's how I (laughs) I came to the U.S.
1: All right. So you worked for the university back home Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. here. So what is it about, you know, higher ed and higher ed IT that you find attractive for your career?
2: You know, I love teaching. I grew up in a teaching household. My mom and dad were both teachers very passionate about education. And when I was back in Lebanon, I used to also teach at uh, a couple of universities there. I love higher ed. I love teaching. I love the culture. I love the fact that we're doing all of this for the kids to go to college for the greater good. So it is really in my passion. I'm very proud for being in higher ed for my career.
1: What is your team responsible for here in IT services?
2: So my team has the name. Says it, it's the data and integration services. So we have basically three areas of responsibility. First one, the, the data specifically. So we are responsible to set up for the setup and the operation of the database platforms here, mm-hmm. part of ITS. So a portion of my team is also known as the DBA team. People call it the DBA team. So we set up the databases and we're responsible for the legacy core business applications and the new world of data infrastructure as well. The second area of responsibility is the middleware and integration services. So that part of the team is primarily focused on the middleware application and integration platforms. So IPaaS, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of IPaaS are part of that. The third area of responsibility is production control. So production control team is responsible for the production run job on the old uh, mainframe environment. So they are still supporting it today. Our student information system is still on the mainframe and our production support team supports all of the jobs that do all of the data transfers around our core business application, ISIS. So that is that.
1: Help me clarify something because when I think of data, my mind drifts to like the business intelligence team, like Judy and Sarah and that crowd. So what's the real quick answer about the kind of data, if you will, that they do, and then, you know, data and databases that your team works on?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question. So my team installs and supports the data infrastructure on which the activity hubs run. Okay. So Judy's team and BIA, they develop the activity hub but we support the platform that is the SAP HANA platform on which the activity hubs run. So we're responsible for the software on which the activity hubs run. And we work very, very closely with Judy and her team and to do the code optimization and platform optimization for the activity hubs.
1: Okay, and uh, speaking of platform, in your previous answer too, you mentioned your team is responsible for IPaaS. So what exactly is IPaaS and what is your all's role with it?
2: Okay, IPaaS stands for Integration Platform as a Service. So this is a brand that we in ITS gave it, right? Although mm-hmm. if you Google IPaaS, you'll find, find definitions for it on Google, mm-hmm. but our definition of IPaaS is ours, really. It's our branding. So underneath the IPaaS umbrella, you find a set of tools and technologies uh, that can allow us to connect various enterprise platforms and to allow data transfer and communication between various applications. So we've set up iPaaS and all of the tools underneath it to support ESR. Mm-hmm. So when we were bringing up the Oracle Finance Cloud or WALI research package or even going live with UCPath, we used IPaaS for all of the data transfers between the various enterprise systems, all the communication between the various systems. And also, IPaaS is used to move data into our activity hubs. So it connects to Oracle, for example, and moves some of the data from Oracle into the activity hubs for the business to report on.
1: I don't think we uh, mentioned it, but IPaaS stands for Integration Platform as a Service, right? Yes, that is right. And who are the customers of the IPaaS services or you know, which types of people in ITS use the platform?
2: So mainly developers across ITS use are the customers of the IPaaS platform, primarily the application and in data integration services team led by uh, Bill Sweetman. Mm -hmm. It's also known as the ADIS team. They are our main customer for the platform, but there are other teams in ITS that use the platform as well. So we work very closely with our developers here at ITS, platform optimization, bug fixes, new feature releases, uh, and the standardization of our development practices in ITS.
1: And I know that you and your team manage the integration community of practice. So what is that community of practice and what are the goals?
2: Yeah, that we run the community, the integration community of practice. So if you run a search on Collab Mm -hmm. for integration uh, community of practice, you can browse all of the previous agenda and the session recordings. So basically, uh, team leads share best practices on specific topics related to integrations. And sometimes we bring in vendors to share best practices and the latest features of their products.
1: Okay, and what are some of the tools uh, that make up iPaaS?
2: Yeah, so part of iPaaS, we needed a few capabilities to connect our system. So we needed a way to execute secure file transfers from a source mm-hmm. to a target system. So for that, we have a tool, part of the iPaaS umbrella called Go Anywhere. We also need the capability to publish applications and publish APIs. So part of that We are using the Amazon Elastic Kubernetes service to release Mm -hmm. applications into containers. And we also have our WSO2 API manager to front our APIs. We also have a streaming capability, data streaming part of iPaaS, where you could connect uh, iPaaS to a source. And in real time, it would move the data in real time into a target system. So it could be real-time data movement. It could be a scheduled data movement. So that is possible by using three tools that we have part of the platform. We have Confluent Kafka, Cloudera and iFi, and we have Apache Airflow.
1: Okay. And if we look back over the last, let's say, four to five years, you know, it's, it's my understanding that iPaaS as a concept and a way of working is new, uh, as are those tools that you mentioned. So what has that sort of shift in work and what kind of learning have the folks involved had to do the last several years to, you know, get used to IPass and start using it?
2: Yeah, with ESR, right, we've modernized our mm-hmm. technology stack. So if you read about this outside in the tech world, they call this uh, digital transformation. So we've introduced all of these new tools and people needed to shift to develop on the new tools. So When there is a change, there is a lot of anxiety and it's very normal, right? I'm used to doing my job a certain way and now I need to learn all of these new tools and how am I going to do this? So, you know, it is a stressful period for all of us. It was at the very least. So in the beginning stages of the change, we knew that we needed all of these tools to connect, to support ESR, right? So we started working with the development teams and identifying the people who are not afraid of the change. They mm-hmm. just dove in and started learning the tools pretty quickly. And they started developing their first use cases on the platforms. And so we were setting up a lot of, you know, big events to communicate about the reason why we're doing iPass, why that is needed. And at that point, we gave the mic, the microphone to those change champions, we called mm-hmm. them and to showcase their work and to showcase how they did it And then. We started bringing vendors to do uh, mass training sessions to get people more comfortable with the tools. We've also established some sessions to crowdsource the development of initial use cases on IPath. So we would bring 10, 15, 20 developers in one room, and we would together... Develop one or two use cases, and people would be asking each other questions and getting more comfortable. And with that, right, development on the platform took flight, and you know, and started happening really quickly. Uh, While in parallel, my team was setting up the platforms still. So we were in a situation where we're we're building the ship while we are sailing it. So development Mm -hmm. is ongoing while we are still building and stabilizing the platform. So it was fun days. I really look back on those days very fondly. But actually, we did it. We, at the end of the day, when we say we, it's all of us. It's mm-hmm. the platforms, the sysadmin, security team, the development teams, the release and the QA team, all of us. It takes a village, mm-hmm. but we did it. So we were able to go live with UCPath and Kuali and Oracle Finance. Uh, so it was great times
1: this might be a good time to segue over to the topic of DevOps and just find out what that is and what your role in that is.
2: Sure. If you Google DevOps, right? The definition that Google gives you about DevOps is that it is a set of practices Mm -hmm. that combines software development and IT operations. So I want to make it clear here that DevOps is not... A set of tools or technologies like iPaaS. It's more mm-hmm. a practice and a culture. So the enterprise platforms part of iPaaS, I'd like to call them enterprise because they are supported by various teams in ITS to ensure that they are highly available to support business operations for the university and that they are highly secure. Mm -hmm. So they are built from the ground up using ITS standards for systems administration and rolled into the standard patching and maintenance processes. There is also alongside them a standard development lifecycle that is established for each tool and a standard deployment process that supports deployment automation. So in order to achieve all of this, and as a service owner for the application integration platform, pass myself, and my team. We've established our DevOps in ITS by bringing together all of the other teams that make the village, really. Mm-hmm. So the computing infrastructure team, so you know those as the Ops team, the application platform team, the Office of Information Assurance Engineering and Compliance Group for security guidance around the platform, the QA and BARS teams to do the QA testing and automation, deployment automation around the platforms, and of course, our application and integration developers community. So all of us together, we form the DevOps in ITS around in the scope of IPAS.
1: Okay, so it sounds like the DevOps is all about bringing consistency and standardization in how we uh, develop and bring you know solutions to life.
2: That is right, and bringing all of the stakeholders on the table. Also, to help
1: prioritize the work around the platform as well. And what goes on at the DevOps roundtable?
2: Yeah, so the DevOps roundtable, again, if you go and collab, and uh, in the search bar, you look up DevOps roundtable, you'll see the list of all the previous meetings and their recording. But basically, in the DevOps roundtable is a forum that is open for ITS and even broader outside of ITS uh, to the campus community where we invite some people to come and talk about their DevOps practices. So I've shared a little bit about our DevOps practices around IPaaS here at ITS, but there are a lot of teams that do DevOps uh, that is contained within their team. So they come in and mm-hmm. share you know, their DevOps practice with us. We invite some developers to share some development best practices. The BARS team talks quite often about deployment best practices uh, and the deployment pipelines. So go check it out on Collab. A lot of interesting topics there and a lot of people from ITS. We have like 50, 60 people attending every time. So quite an interesting forum there.
1: All right. One last question about the work uh, you do here. How did you finally conquer the swarms?
2: (laughs) That's a funny question. Because the swarms remind me of the Greenwich days. Remember that?
1: Well, uh, yeah. So what's going on here? When we worked at Greenwich, my desk was over by Natalie's team, and I think it was John and Louis in particular. And they talked a lot to each other and on the phone. And they just kept talking about swarms, swarms, swarms. It's very dramatic. It which are just swarms, swarms. You, you may not know this about me, Natalie. I'm not very technical. So I had no idea what was going on. So what are those swarms and what happened to them?
2: Yeah, well, the swarms were replaced, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. We let go of them. But back in the days, we were looking into Docker as the technology that would support as our container application platform. But that uh, we have selected at the end, the Amazon Elastic Kubernetes service. Mm-hmm. So EKS did replace the Swarms, unfortunately, but without giving it as cool as a name as Swarms.
1: <laughs> all right, let's just talk about some of your outside pursuits. So you mentioned a uh, husband, you know, next door neighbor. I think you all have kids too. So uh, who's in your family and what do you all like doing together?
2: Yeah, I have two kids. A 13-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy. So my daughter is going to high school next year, so that's going to be a new adventure for all of us. My son will be in fourth grade uh, next year. So what do we do together, we like the outdoors quite a lot. So we go on hikes a lot. We go camping sometimes. Recently, I have been shortcutting the camping by doing some glamping, booking <laughs> <laughs> a cabin instead of pitching a tent. Um, but we do like enjoying evening at the campfire, uh, you know, telling jokes, playing chess, and, you know, going biking. So fun stuff like that.
1: Are they into uh, computers and tech at you all? Know?
2: Not really. My son, I predict, would be, but my daughter is not. She's into sports, though. She plays competitive soccer, oh. and she wants to do soccer in high school alongside competitive soccer. So that keeps us busy quite a bit over the weekend. You're a soccer mom. Yes. Yes. Literally.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. What does your husband do?
2: He's an engineer. He works for Qualcomm uh, in the research and development department in the R&D. So they're right now thinking about 6G and they're doing a lot of big data stuff. So the data world is also conquering their engineering
1: world as well. Uh, Yes, data is taking over uh, all of our lives. Well, Natalie, appreciate you joining us here on uh, the current podcast and letting us know all about what you do for us here.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT Services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.